0: we are back yes we are back today on the pod we're going to review the meg it's a film about a giant shark john and jamie talk about festival that guy from the in between us we also cover all the latest the news and shenanigans in the world of film
1: in a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts you have to ask yourself what's the harm in one more two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions Talk Filmy to Me.
0: Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. It's the podcast that looks at you across the bar, comes over, and introduces itself as The Name's to Me. Talk filmy to me. Joining me on the pod today is my main boy. It's my man. It's the guy who's released albums like Lucky Dust. You can find on Spotify and all good streaming services. He's also worked on video games like Guitar Hero, DJ Hero. But more importantly, he headlined the 2003 John Bramston School Leavers Party with his band Lost and Found. (laughs) John Descamento, how you doing, pal?
2: I've I've lost all confidence since you brought that shambolic performance up. But you know what? That was Year 11, end of school. Mr. Rowley, our, God bless him, our head teacher, he wanted, <laughs> he wanted to have the last say, the last speech. But he didn't realise that they'd booked a band to get up <laughs> and we played a song called Alcoholic and it was absolutely terrible and everyone <laughs> closed their ears. It was amazing. It was the most punk rock thing I've ever done. Now I've blooming talk on a podcast, so there you go.
0: Well, if only he could see us now, John. Anyway, let's let's crack straight into it. So it's been a while since our last pod. We we took a bit of time out just to, to focus on other projects and stuff like that. But we're we're back talking filmier than ever. My name is Adam Flint, the co-host of this here establishment. And I'd like to. I don't. We don't usually talk too much about stuff that people send in to us because a it's it's kind of inconsistent the stuff we get sometimes but also um because we to be frank we don't we don't necessarily get enough stuff that uh, to have it as a regular thing but uh, someone tweeted us or should i say dm'd us as the kids call it kyle um has tweeted us hi chaps great work as always but i did notice you didn't do a pod last week sad face what's your take on idris alba seemingly confirming he's going to be the next james bond I for one think it's time for us to have a black actor take on the role but I feel Idris will be too old to carry the role for the next 10 years. I would personally love to see, and I for, you know, forgive my pronunciations on this, Chiwetel Ifura pick up the role of the Golden Gun. What do you think? Now, Chiwetel Ifura, great actor, 12 years a slave, uh, 2012, he's in Doctor Strange. He's brilliant in Doctor Strange. Um, he's also going to be in The Lion King doing the voice of Scar. Really epic voice. Anyway, John. Awesome, we got someone contributing a question, and uh, let me just check the Twitter handle: Carl twenty six. I refuse to believe that you are. There are twenty five other of you out there, but anyway, um, John, what's your take?
2: Uh, I kind of disagree. I, I mean, we're in a modern the modern day. We have short attention spans. Why can't a Bond just do two movies and call it quits? So I kind of think he's great for Bond right now. I think it would work. So I don't know. I like Idris. I think he'll do a good job. I don't I don't know if I want to Bond for the next 20 years. Maybe let's just have a couple. <laughs> what do you reckon?
0: I don't think he's actually Bond yet. Like, I know... Like, let, let, put it this way. MGM Studios and Aeon, or however they want to fucking call themselves, they are really secretive about who they cast as their James Bonds. They're very secretive about plots. They keep everything watertight. Do you honestly think that if you landed the role of James Bond, you were going to tweet it? Not only have they got another James Bond film in the pipeline at the moment with Daniel Craig's final performance, so you're two years away from picking up the role at least. So much can change, so much is at risk. If you actually did land the role, you'd be keeping that silent. You would be keeping that on lockdown. You would be... Basically, if anyone asks you the question, you'll just be very humble and say, uh, I'd love to be linked to that role. It's an honour to be there. Whatever. You would not basically confirm it. I think Idris is <laughs> trying to play a hand here. I think he's he, trying to force the question. And I think yeah. he's actually playing a really shrewd game.
2: He's putting a transfer request in.
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> if, if he lands the, the role, you know, I'm not going to knock it if it works. I, I want to see it, but um i i think the whole the whole um black bond thing is kind of a mute point at this point as well you only really see people like katie hopkins you know have a go at that side of things so i i say let's give it a go give him five years two films that's fine and then give it someone else younger that's that's my take
0: yeah like yeah you know, don't get me wrong I, I generally think idris albert is one of our greatest a- like you know you've got those actors like your michael Caine, your ian mckellens those those actors that have just always been there your patrick stewart's that are just epitomized great british acting and you think well where where what happens after those guys when they're gone who are going to be our icons who are going to be our our leaders that we look back on in film for british cinema and say they're our guys, you know, everyone loves them. Idris Elba falls into that category for me. He's a future he's a legend now, but he's a he's gonna continue being a legend. I'll tell you what I watched the other day, which um I we reviewed for his podcast, but it came up on Sky, so I thought I'd sit there and watch it. I watched the Dark Tower again. And his performance in that is spellbinding. The film itself's quite rubbish, it's poor editing and, and bad direction and, and not very good adaptation of the material. But Idris Elba in Dark Tower is fantastic. He is such a good actor. I'd love to see him pick up the mantle of Bond. Um, I just don't think he's actually landed it yet. I just think logic dictates to me that if you landed the role, you'd keep this secret. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be starting the rumours yourself. So I think he's trying to get the role, and I hope he does. <laughs> anyway, shall we? Uh, thanks for the, thanks for the DM. And if you want to ask a question to the pod, please feel free to contact us on Twitter at TalkFilmingToMe. It might look like the account's not been very active for the last few weeks. That's because. It's not been very active for the last few weeks, but I think I'm going to dive back on there and and start reaching out and growing the audience again on that. So, yeah, please get involved. Let's talk about other news items. News. So, let's talk about Disney for a little bit. Jack Whitehall. I never thought I'd put the words Jack Whitehall and Disney in the same sentence for our, our American audiences. Jack Whitehall is a British comedian who appears on the odd panel show. His gimmick is he's really posh and uh, sometimes he does jokes which kind of implies he's really camped that's about it really and um, he's got a couple of netflix specials he does one with his dad i think that's on international you can watch as well and um, he's been cast in the disney theme park ride movie jungle cruise now you might think what are these theme park movies well actually this is something that disney have been doing for the last 20 years uh, pirates of the caribbean that was actually based on a theme park ride at national treasure do you remember those ones, Nicolas Cage, Cage on nonsense? And um, that was actually based on a theme park ride in the Disney park, uh, Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. That was again, that was another theme park movie. Anyway, they're looking to revisit this and try and find their next uh, billion dollar franchise and Jungle Cruise is one of the oldest rides on the Disney lot and they're turning that into a film and it's got the rock First of all, The Rock's in it, so you know it's going to be a massive success. But Jack Whitehall's been cast. This is the first, like, big... He's been in a couple of smaller films. Um, he was on a TV show in the UK called... I think it's called Bad Education or something like that, and they've done a film adaptation of that. Um, this is his first Hollywood movie, and he's been cast. And the reason why it's made it's made the news is because he's been cast as the first openly gay character in a Disney film. Now, this is great in terms of LGBT performances on, on screen, but... Um, there's been a bit of bit of a i suppose um discrepancy among the the internet on this is because actually Jack Whitehall's not gay, and if you think about all the gay actors that we have and that are available why why have they gone the straight guy I, I'm, I don't know how I feel about this at the moment, but John what's your take
2: I don't, it's just much to do about nothing for me acting is pretending to be something you're not. So um, I don't see the problem, but I kind of have a problem casting Jack Whitehall because he's slightly camp, but it's sort of a false camp, a posh camp. I don't know. I I recommend listening to him and seeing, but it, it's sort of it's almost a caricature of what a camp gay guy might look like. So I don't know. I think it, maybe it's a bit misjudged, contradicting. But I mean, I just think you know they're acting anyone should be able to act as anyone else let's not get our knickers in a twist over every little casting decision
0: yeah i agree with you of that to an extent um i do think that you can find better people to play the roles and i think you can find a better actor probably than, than jack whitehall for the role um I don't understand how he's managed to be cast in this, but, but fair play. <laughs> I agree with you. I don't think his comedy is going to age very well. In fact, I think if you look back to some of his earlier stuff, even only from a couple of years ago, we would probably look back on that, which is quite ironic, actually. If you think about Disney, how they sack people because of comedy they've said in previous years of James Gunn. Someone should probably tell them to look at Jack Whitehall's previous uh, works because some of it is in quite bad taste. Then again, that's the whole point of comedy—it's to push the envelope and everything else. I don't want to beat him up too much, and um, yeah, I I'm I think it's much about nothing. Um, I would like to see better representation on screen, so that's great. I think let's just hold off till we see the performance, because it all depends on the performance, right? If he comes in and does like a a really horrible performance, that's disingenuous and just basically. Alienates the audience, then then you know let's let's pull this apart. But if he comes on and does a good job and everyone thinks he's great and it opens up more doors for more representation, then then bully for him sort of thing. So so yeah, that was the that was the big sort of controversy of the week really. Uh, while we're sticking with Disney, Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok, uh, she was in the Creed movies. She's a revelation, great actor, and um, she's being cast in the Lady and the Tramp the live action movie i don't understand how you can do a live action version of lady and the tramp because it's going to be animated but anyway that aside tessa thompson's going to be voicing the lady which is quite cool so we might get to hear her sing a little bit in this as well do you like tessa thompson um
2: i am not very aware of her i've just uh, westworld her. season two <laughs> oh, right, yeah i'm i'm actually watching it now yes i do like her yeah i'm a fan definitely I, lady and the I, tramp I... reboot I always
0: think like Lady and a Tramp, I remember watching that loads growing up um, and I just, I just think that iconic scene where they're all trapped in the pound and that, that sort of scraggly old tart dog comes out who basically tells Lady about the tramp basically going around being a tramp and just that he's a tramp. But I love him. I I generally, I I hope they do it justice. I think it'll be, uh, hopefully it'll be quite good.
2: Yes, I actually Googled her to see exactly who she was. And I didn't write Tessa, I put Tess Thompson. And she's famous for uh, trophy hunting and shooting giraffes. (laughs) So that was not what I was expecting. But no, I love, I really like Tessa Thompson in Westworld. So, and she's got a great voice. So, should be good
0: cool. as mentioned uh, we were talking a bit about James Gunn earlier and over the last few weeks it's been building up momentum uh, the idea of uh, James Gunn being rehired even Dave Batista has pretty much come out and said um, I, if you don't use James Gunn's scripts you, I am requesting you you kill off the character of Drax which I don't think Disney would ever do And uh, but Disney have stood firm and James Gunn is not going to be rehired as the director for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 which I can't help but think it's gonna bite them in the arse to be honest. I think it's gonna I think people will pay with their with their dollars and not go see. I think they might actually if this continues to keep getting pressed, I think people will boycott the film.
2: I think they shot themselves in the foot and they can't really go back on their word now, can they? Not a company like Disney showing that sort of weakness. Um I think it is gonna pay a hefty price because you're hearing a lot of stories about the actors. The big actors on there saying the vibe's different. Oh, you know, I'll fulfil my contract, but basically they're not happy about it. And I think, I mean, that's going to reflect on the movie, isn't it? I can't Mm. see this ending very well for anyone, unfortunately. Nah, I
0: agree with you. I agree with you. It's kind of a sad state of affairs, which is such a shame because the Guardians movies are so good. And, you know, that is no small part down to the... I don't want to call him the creator because he didn't create the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's obviously based on a comic book. But the MCU adaptation, as we know and love, you know, a lot of that is down to, to James Gunn. And it is a crying shame that he's not going to be able to fulfil his, his trilogy of work. Um, it does open the door for someone else to come in. I think I've said this a couple of times in the pod. The smart money's probably on Taika and um, But it's probably a bit too obvious for him. Um, I personally would like to see them uh, to... Kiss and make up with Edgar Wright. I think that would be an awesome opportunity for him. But anyway, let's let's see what happens. Well, last bit about Disney. So Disney are on the live-action trail at the moment, the live-action version of their rides, the live-action version of Lady and the Tramp. They're also doing a live-action version of Mulan. Do you remember the classic movie in the 90s which inspired the Szechuan sauce from McDonald's, which talk, they spoke about in Rick and Morty? Anyway, a live adaptation of that is in the works at the moment, and they shared the first ever photo of mulan the live version of her and it's played by an asian actress called lou lefield also known as crystal lou in the starring role it looks fantastic here's something i've got a bug with nothing to do with the film at all i can't wait to see this and i can't wait to see the talent they're going to bring to this and really showcase an awesome story and they're not going to they're not going to change it or or, or re-recast in a way that is disrespectful to the culture which is great The way the media is reporting on this. When I was doing my research and and, uh, syndicating all our content to a list that we can talk about for news. I had to go through several paragraphs on a lot of media outlets to get the actress's name playing the lead role. Now. If i can't help but think if that was of a different uh different nationality it would be in the headlines of the title it's a bit of a shame really and i i think that's that's a that's terrible and um you know if you see this call it out tweet the the author saying hey why don't you why don't you ever put top billing of the actor in the name here it's just yeah it's just a small bugbear there what should, am i being a bit of a, a mona john am i being too millennial about that or is there is there some legitimate stuff there
2: no, I think, I think you're actually onto something there. Um, I mean, the name, when you read it, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, and to spell it would be another thing, but that's no <laughs> excuse, is it, when you're a journalist? Uh, it seems either lazy or rude, and I don't know which is better. So, yeah, I totally agree with you, and it's like, what, do we have to all change our names to something catchy to uh, appear in the headline? I don't know yeah
0: well anyway we're we're fans of Crystal and we want to see her name where it belongs at the top of the billing of your movie because you're the lead in this and, and it looks fucking awesome we can't wait um, so yeah, check out the image, it looks like it has been plucked out of the cartoon and brought to life, the The set design is going to look incredible, the outfits look awesome, and uh, yeah, there's a real flavour that's approaching here in terms of cultural appreciation with this film, so yeah, really can't wait to see that. Anyway, that's, that's, that's away from Disneyland for a little bit, let's talk about Netflix, so The Alienist, um, that was a streaming gem we reviewed a while back, um, I quite enjoyed the show, John, you were kind of on the fence, are you still on the fence?
2: um well me and my wife started watching it found it a little bit dark i i don't find anything dark just fyi but uh a bit dark for my wife so we only watched a couple but i i quite liked it but it i mean it is gruesome and the title of the next series kind of sounds like it's not going to get any less gruesome (laughs)
0: So, yes, um, they've announced that there's going to be a sequel season. Um, It's not going to be the Alienist Season 2. It's going to be a... Similar to how the books are structured, actually. I didn't realise The Alienist was based on a series of books. Uh, the first book was called The Alienist. The second book is called The Angel of Darkness, which is going to carry on the story of Dakota Fanning and that uh, I can never remember the gentleman's name Daniel something, the German guy from Inglorious Bastards, and Luke Evans. They're going to be carrying on in there and reprising their roles. And it's going to carry on into that sort of Victorian New York uh, murder mystery. And uh, like John mentions, it gets pretty dark. But I am looking forward to this. I really enjoyed the alienist. Once I got past, there's a bit where you kind of your uh, your nerves or your um, your hunger for that's probably lack of a better word your tolerance. There we go. Your tolerance for for dark and evil stuff um, all of a sudden becomes a little bit more accepting about three or four episodes in, and then you can actually start to enjoy it a little bit more rather than. Um, the sort of grotesque stuff kind of overtakes that. So, yeah, yeah, really enjoying it. Angel of Darkness, can't wait. it be coming out in 2019. John, were you a fan of the Star Trek reboot franchise, the J.J. Abraham's verse, as they call it?
2: Uh, no, I have to admit. <laughs>
0: what about you? I, I really enjoyed the first one. Um, I thought it was a breath of fresh air. It was great to see the franchise revived. I thought the casting was fantastic. Um, and there was always a story thread in the first film, which they were going to pay off at some point, which was Chris Hemsworth played Kirk's dad. And it was the birth of literally the birth of James T. Kirk. You actually saw him being given birth by, oh God, it was Cameron from House. She was playing the wife um, in that one scene. And they always made a big deal of that scene because they knew they were going to use time travel. And they even introduced time travel in the first film. It was signposted to say that Destiny has said that Kirk will time travel back to that scene. To the Mm. point that even Chris Hemsworth has come out and said, I'm going to be in a Star Trek film in the future. I'm contractually obliged to, actually. And uh, obviously Star Trek... Done okay with the second movie of Wrath of... uh, Basically, it was called Into Darkness, but it might as well have been called The Wrath of Khan, with Benedict Cumberbatch playing the the villain in that one. And then Star Trek Beyond, where it had Idris Elba playing the the villain. One of the things that I I don't like about this film, which um, a a journalist uh, who's actually a TV writer now called Mark Bernardin describes it best, of you've got Idris Elba, one of the most best-looking men on the planet, who's got amazing... He's got an amazing voice that can deliver amazing dialogue and you put a load of face makeup on him and mute his voice, like, what the fuck are you doing? Totally agree. <laughs> Complete waste of Idris Elba's talents in that film. And it kind of showed. The film didn't do particularly well. Um, even Quentin Tarantino was linked with picking up Star Trek, and he was penning a script for um, for whatever the fourth movie was going to look like. He then decided to turn his attentions onto his current project, and, but it looks like that Star Trek four was going to be picked up by another team and worked with. Anyway, Chris Pine... Um, the guy who plays Kirk in these films has opted to not come back to the series and so has Chris Hemsworth which has put the whole rebooted franchise into jeopardy because you haven't got your star and you haven't got the star, the other star who is now one of the world's biggest actors not wanting to be part of this anymore so it does not look good if you're a Trekkie
2: mm, so I never watched Star Trek really so I thought it's one of them things where like, I can't just start now right Hmm. Or can I?
0: (laughs) Uh, It's one of those things where you can, especially, you know, each of these franchises, you can start again, especially with Star Trek. It kind of starts itself. I made it sound like I'm a right Trekkie there. To be honest, I only really know a lot about the the J.J. Abrams universe because that was when I come in. I really enjoyed um, actually saying that I did enjoy Generations, the one where it was William Shatner and Patrick Stewart met. On screen for the first time i thought that was kind of a, a hallmark moment but yeah star trek isn't necessarily my bag
2: but um the first That's star for trek another movie. podcast right i'm sure there are many podcasts that will only talk about star trek
0: exactly exactly but um yeah anyway i think it's a shame that if this is how this franchise goes out it's kind of a shame but then again you know what i, I didn't hear too many people crying for this fourth star trek film so so Oh, well, I'll tell you what people weren't crying for, but uh, amazed once it came out. Tom Hardy one of our great talents i put him up there vidris alba of just an absolute legend um he is the for me he's like the true meaning of a real actor he embodies roles he changes himself physically and mentally and everything in between to to personify some great roles think about bronson how crazy he is in that film think about the shape he gets into for bane think about the the voice he puts on in um in things like even like dunkirk he's 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 hardly in it he's in a cockpit for the entire film but he emotes so much in that in Mad Max how he's basically silent in most of that film but he his eyes say mm. a lot and um, he's just a great actor and anyway this is just another string to his bow he is going to be playing Al Capone in a biopic directed by Josh Tank called uh, Fonzo and the first image of him in the makeup uh, personifying the role got released last week and it's completely unrecognisable. It looks nothing like Tom Hardy, but also at the same time looks everything like Tom Hardy. I cannot wait for this film. This is one of those things that's like, oh, it's got some really interesting people. Josh Tank's got a lot to prove after that terrible Fantastic Four film. Uh, he's, and I'm hoping that this is going to be his kind of return to form. But we've got Tom Hardy, who is the man. It looks incredible. John, you love a biopic. What's your
2: take? Oh, I can't wait. I love a gangster movie. Um, Al, you know, Al Capone's one of the most fascinating characters to be portrayed in film. So I think. And what, who, who better to do it than Tom Hardy, the man who delivers uh, the most popular CBBS bedtime stories of all time? <laughs> the mums love him. Some of the dads love him.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, to be fair, I can't, you, can't, you can't knock the guy. And I'll tell you what, whoever that producer is at CBBS, going, wait a minute. Mum's like Tom Hardy. We should totally get him to come in and read a bedtime story. And you're right, it's the most watched thing ever. Um, so, yeah, long may it continue <laughs> and what a time to be alive. But, um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited about this. I agree with you. I love a gangster flick. Okay, completely off topic, but you just got to say, it, your favourite gangster flick, go.
2: Ah, oh, uh, see, my the first one that came to mind was Goodfellas, but... When I think about it more, I don't think that would
0: what's yours? American gangster 100% Denzel. That's peak Denzel for me. I love it.
2: Ashley, I might change Godfather. I mean, it's so cliché, but I just think for character for the characters and the the story and the way it develops. Ah, it's, it's a hard. bit
0: slow for me. I'd put I'd personally put Goodfellas above godfather which i know is sacrilege to to some of our (laughs) our listeners they're probably wanting to the hump. you know what i love
2: i love how slow it is because it just it's a proper old movie it takes so long to get going but every little thing is becomes relevant and i I don't think there's any wasted space but i totally i can see uh i can see that it is very long (laughs) especially by these standards that's why it took me so bloody so bloody many years to actually watch it get around to watching it because it's three hours. So every time you look at it, you're like, oh, I've got one and a half hours. I don't have three hours.
0: <laughs> nah, very true. Well, maybe we'll all be saying that Fonzo is our favourite gangster film. and um, I think Tom Hardy's got to have to put in a massive performance to top legends. Do you, do you remember that one, The Cray Twins?
2: I... Don't know that one, no.
0: Ah, oh, you're in for a treat. I think it's available on Amazon Prime at the moment. Anyway, anyway, I am digressing from the news. That is your news for this week. Up next on the pod, we've got a review of Festival. We sent John and his soon-to-be-of-West End fame wife Jamie Pruden out into the field, pardon the pun, to review the latest outing with Simon from the Inbetweeners. Enjoy.
2: What the hell are you doing in my car?
0: <laughs> I'm going to call the police! This is what festivals are all about. Posse! What? Holy
2: <laughs> don't anything like him.
0: Holy <laughs> oh, Jesus
1: Christ, is it going to
2: be three days Hello. Out? Hello, John and Jamie here. We are going to review the festival this week. British comedy from Ian Morris, one half of Inbetweeners fame. Right. And of course, Simon Thomas from Inbetweeners. So this review is going to come half from me, a big Betweeners fan, and a man who went to many a filthy... Reading Festival back in a day. And Jamie, who has never been to a festival.
3: I, n- not only have I never been to a festival, I've never seen the Inbetweeners.
2: Unbelievable. Never <laughs> seen Inbetweeners. you think
3: that would be your responsibility, like part of cultural education.
2: That's true. OK, we'll see to that. <laughs> that will be sorted out for next time. So, the festival. Simon Thomas uh, from The Inbetweeners plays a young man who's just been dumped after graduation and he needs to go to the festival with his best mate and ha- let off some steam, basically. So little does he know, his girlf- his ex-girlfriend who's dumped him ends up at the festival, of course, uh, and he camps right next to her. Of course. So very crude, crass humour. Did you think it was too much? How did you find it, Jamie. The too british much. humor?
3: no i didn't think it was too much do you mean like cringy british humor where you well i always feel bad for people
2: yeah like, for example you don't like <laughs> sasha bowen cohen borat style
3: i appreciate his talent but i can't handle it
2: <laughs> you can't handle it or the office
3: yeah uh, again
2: you prefer the american ones i, one I deeply the
3: appreciate the quality of the comedy but i i can't hack it um however i didn't really feel that this was that i thought it was pretty light Pretty fun.
2: The bestiality was light. The
3: bestiality, you know. The, no no worries.
2: The nipple scene.
3: I covered my eyes.
2: Yeah. So, anyway, we're, we're teasing you with a few moments from the movie. I mean, just watching the trailer again, I thought I didn't enjoy this movie, but then watching the trailer made me realise they put a lot of the good bits in the movie. It made me really want to watch it. But there's something about... In-between, if you pardon the pun, the in-between moments that didn't hit the mark. Yeah. And it was kind of down to the acting, the delivery. Some and the, of the
3: acting was great.
2: Some of it was great. It was hit and miss. It seemed like there were a lot of moments you didn't really know if it was a joke or whether you were meant to laugh. Yeah. How many times did you laugh out loud, would you say, in this One? Okay. I was a bit better than that. I reckon I was about four The guys behind us were about up to about 50. So this is definitely not reflective (laughs) of everyone, but didn't quite hit the mark comedically for me, this movie. Although it was set up for me because I love the in-betweeners and I love a festival. And it did actually really encapsulate and portray a dirty, gritty English festival and all the weird characters you get there. I thought it did a really good job of that. But maybe it didn't quite hit the mark with some of the lines and some of the scripts. What do you reckon?
3: You know, I often feel this way with big comedies, American comedies too. Like, I'm on board, everything's fine, I'm going with it for the first 45 minutes. And then it just seems to take either a really bizarre turn or or tumbles into territory that's going to make it last way longer than it needs to. That's kind of how I felt about this movie. I was on board for about the first 45 minutes and I was kind of like, oh my God, okay.
2: I've seen so many comedies these days feel like they get halfway through the movie and there's a paranoia sets in like, oh no, this isn't wacky enough. This isn't funny enough. we got to make up for it by doing something crazy and not that funny. And this kind of has one of their moments, I think.
3: a few.
2: Um. I mean let's talk about some positives. Okay. So there's a few great cameos. Nick Frost, the uh piercing guy yes. has a great little cameo and Noel Fielding at the end has a great uh part. He he's, doesn't really have to do much.
3: He's a better actor than I would have expected though. He's good. <laughs> he didn't
2: have he didn't have many lines or didn't have to do much, but visually you'll see what I mean when you watch it. I mean, that was one of my laugh out loud moments. For you me. did love that. A bit of slapstick.
3: Also, Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords, I what? think, was the 100% standout, hands down best part of this movie for me.
2: That was some good casting. Yeah, and they he was managed perfect. to use him as much as possible as the dorky dad, yeah. who obviously wasn't at the festival. But So there were some great performances. Um, a oh. lot of the characters were playing people 10 years older than them which oh. is always a little bit weird and you mean jarring. the other
3: way around 10 years younger than them
2: yes <laughs> thank you that's why you're here Jamie and for your wonderful opinions of course <laughs> <laughs> uh so you were gonna say something
3: oh sorry I was gonna say the girl who played Amy her name's Caitlin O'Doherty is that right um, let's go with yes she was amazing I thought that some of the acting in this film left a bit to be desired, but she was perfection from start to finish and like both annoying as the character was supposed to be and also completely head over heels charming. I loved her.
2: And another shout out to Hamed Anima Sean who plays the supporting um, best friend character. He
3: was fabulous.
2: Very good. I haven't seen him in much else, but I think he... prepared to see him in a lot more things. He was great. Um, let's get down to the bare bones, nitty gritty. I think this film was a little bit shitty. Um, it was a
3: little <laughs> bit shitty, but I don't. I only
2: did that to say it rhymed, because it rhymed. But I'm going to go with three out of five. And you think that's kind?
3: I think that's quite generous. I, let me say this. Let me preface my star score with this. I don't regret the time I spent watching this movie. <laughs> And that's, that's saying something, but I'm still going to give it two stars out of five.
2: Okay. So, I mean, I, I do think it's a free start. I think it is funny. If you want to go and see a an escapism, silly movie, a bit crude, have a few laughs, it's not long. And you know, my, one of my pet peeves these days are two and a half hour films that should be one and a half hours. This was one hour 40. Felt right. So I think... Go and watch it for a laugh. Don't be expected to be blown away. And let us know how you get on. Yeah. Three out of five, the festival. (laughs) Of course, can wash it.
0: As someone who's been to many a festival with John, I can concur that the boy loves a mosh pit. So three out of five for festival, which is a recommendation on the Talk Filmy to Me film scorecard. Anyway, up next, we sent our boy, Jamie, over to review the film, The Meg. We saw this a while back, and we've been trying to find the right time to slot this into a pod. So here's a pre-recorded review, enjoy. He's kidding, right?
1: You need to find it and kill it.
0: Why don't you just put a tracker on it? The Meg is a film about a giant shark that attacks a beach and Jason Statham punches it. That's all I can gather from the synopsis and all the materials that have been released over the last couple of years for this. It's a project that's been in trouble for about four years. It's cost nearly $150 million. And Jamie, uh, my boy, he is going to tell us his review of it. So, Jamie, give us the real synopsis of this film. What's it about?
1: Well, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. You're not far off there. Uh, apart from it's a megalodon, obviously a prehistoric shark, uh, which... Uh, I've got me they try and use some clever science to try and explain how it's survived for so long. What's the what's and, the excuse? So,
0: what's the what's the thing? Well, this isn't a spoiler cast, and I'm no. pretty sure it's not going to ruin your life knowing no, this. No, no,
1: so. no. So basically they're saying that the ocean is deeper than it actually is. And what there is is there's a, a, a hydrogen sulfide layer, a cloud layer, basically, that's mm. separating a cool colder bottom or well, what we thought was the cold bottom of the ocean, and actually a warmer trap bit of ocean underneath. And that's where the megalodon got to survive
0: okay Jamie is a man of science so is this actually true uh, it's no (laughs) (laughs) no not at all I mean they
1: they have tried one thing that goes for this film is they've tried hard with some of the science you know they've, they've done things that are plausible just not a not a fucking chance of happening. No. But, but, you know, they, 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 you know they, they, they have thought about it at least. Right. they put some thought into it. Um, they've taken some creative license with the Megalodon. You know, Megalodons went up to about 18 metres, we think, whereas the ones they've got in the film are up to like 36 metres, I think. So, yeah, you know.
0: So a bit of, bit of creative yeah, license. Yeah, here.
1: and obviously a Megalodon going after a human probably wouldn't be the, the greatest snack. I mean, these, these predators would have had to eat all the time. Yeah. all the time just to survive yeah. um, and a human you know for what they were saying was a 36 meter long shark would have been like you eating grapes all day not going to fill you up
0: right okay so let's let's not ruin it too badly in terms of, you know, <laughs> the let, science the yeah. science and the, the magic of Hollywood disappear and that so, mm. so the premise is the shark has appeared yeah and- the
1: shark's escaped this lower level it's now in human you know attacking ships attacking whales it's you know it's Causing devastation, and obviously Jason Safem is the man who was previously disgraced. Uh, another opportunity, you know, he's come back. He's he's the rough hero, the hero you want to hate and love at the same time.
0: <laughs> what's he? What's he? What's he do? What's his role?
1: Um, he is an expert deep sea rescue diver. Right. Okay. I didn't even know that was a job, but it's quite a cool job.
0: Um, you figured you'd speak to a shark expert, yeah, wouldn't you? Yeah.
1: Well, he goes off the rails and he, he, he ends up in Thailand, conveniently where this whole film is based.
0: Why? Why do all disgraced people end up in Thailand? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's not, <laughs> let's, let's not dwell on that one too. Yeah, and, let's, and let's not let's not mock any of our listeners who are based in Thailand. Which, by the way, we actually do have listeners based. Do you? There. Ah. Yeah. And also, some of the funko toys you guys get over there is incredible. Please send some over. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So Jason Statham is disgraced diver. He has to hunt back the, the shark. Let's yeah. talk about some of the other cast members in this though. It's got uh, Bibbling Lee who plays Cyan. Uh, I assume that's the the plucky sidekick you see in the, the uh, trailers.
1: So, uh, she's yeah. So she's she sort of becomes a bit of a love interest for, for Jason Statham during the film. Um, but that sort of, again, it's that whole I hate you but I love you sort of relationship which right. manifests over an hour and a half. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, yeah, she's she's a very strong character and she's actually very strong-willed. Do what she wants when she wants. Yeah,
0: that's cool. So let's let's talk about the shark. Um, usually, the, these films uh, they they either fail or succeed depending on the the. the protagonist and antagonist that's driving Mm. all that sort of stuff so what's the shark like is it actually like a character in this film do you actually empathise with it at all
1: (laughs) (laughs) no I mean it's it's a funny one isn't it because I know after the release of Jaws in 1975 um, they good 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 knowledge Um, there was a lot of concern over great whites after that you know on average sharks kill five people a year Yep. but we kill two million sharks a year. You know, <laughs> which one's the bigger predator there? Well,
0: but, yeah, yeah. more and, people have died from yeah. jars falling out of cupboards. Yeah, is
1: that? and more people are concerned, you know, that bad shark films or shark films that paint sharks in a bad light can have a negative impact on the preservation of. Did, the did anyone speak to the shark um,
0: community about this film?
1: I don't think they did, and I, you know, and they didn't even get a real shark to portray the shark. It was all CGI'd. So I think they could have found a shark to play the shark, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think that's
0: a, I think you know, in, in a world where representation is important, they yeah. should have really consulted with more sharks.
1: Exactly. I think they. I think they missed a the trick there.
0: How's, but, how's this rank up to other shark films? So let's talk about compare it to Deep Blue Sea, 1999.
1: <laughs> well, before the. the 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 uh, the pod I did mention to you you know like the deep blue sea and I don't like the reference to the film a year there, um it had a little bit of a deep blue sea feel to it yeah I mean I I can only describe this as a big budget low budget film you know it's got a huge budget but feels a little bit low budget at times just because I I don't think since Jaws has been a good ocean based film
0: have you seen The Shallows no. Very, very good. Um, It's basically it's got uh, Blake Lively in, and she's uh, essentially she gets attacked by a shark, and it is two hours of her trying to escape this shark.
1: She's not the the surfer one, is she? Yes. Is that the one based on the real where she lost an arm and she was a world a world? Uh,
0: I don't think in the. I don't want to spoil the film, okay. but I think it's loosely based. Okay. on that. I don't yeah. know if that's yeah. uh, how accurate. She's back surfing
1: the... now, isn't she? She's an incredible human being. Actually,
0: yeah, like yeah. Her, her actual story. So that's If you want a reference for a good shark yeah. film, go there. But uh, so if you had to put it against the deep blue seas and the shark of the world, where does this sit? Uh, it's, it's
1: definitely at the top of those lists. It, you know, it, it, it is an enjoyable enough film. I I personally don't think it's the sort of film that you'd walk out on. Um, but you know there are uh, some you know I I did watch it in 3D I, I felt you know a film with sharks throwing at, coming out the water felt like it was designed for 3D and I, I'm not a massive fan of 3D yeah, and I know yeah. a lot of people out there will never watch a 3D film because they don't like it this felt like it was a film designed for 3D and uh, and, and the person I was with as well uh, jumped quite a few times doing that film.
0: So what about the effects? So this has got a lot of money, about $150 yeah. million dollars gone into this, which means it's probably going to run at a loss, uh, judging by early indications mm. of how it's done so far. But that being said, I reckon it will make its money back on DVD sales and everything else. Yeah. What do the effects look like? Did it look like $150 million on screen?
1: Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, again, it's hard to say, really, because a lot of the scenes are just a boat on water, which is typical for these types of films. I mean, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a lie, really. There's a, quite a few deep-sea, submarine-type shots. I, I would struggle to think where they spent $150 million, pounds, uh, dollars, if I was honest.
0: I think it's more to do with the production CCR. problems and all that oh, sort okay. of stuff, yeah. rather than that. Yeah, I mean, it it,
1: I, it starts off really impactful. like The film, the first mm. five, ten minutes does draw you in it does get a little bit worse after
0: <laughs> <laughs> is this going to start a whole franchise are we going to get I, I the
1: Meg 2 I don't think so I think this will be well the it's, it's left open right it's left open but I don't think so
0: I there's another pocket somewhere else was there
1: yeah well yeah I mean if you think about it there's no way that shark is 150 million years old so there must be a population of them in that pocket Is my interpretation Right. Um, you know let's be reasonable sharks live I don't know 120 years or something yeah this is a big um, one now isn't it it's a big one so but then again as things get bigger their short span, general, lifespan generally don't shorter. bring logic uh, into it I was
0: listening to it no I going off tangent um, Empire had been doing a series of podcasts with the director of the latest Mission Impossible movie Fallout oh, which we reviewed a couple of weeks back actually yeah. and it's about six hours worth of interviews and I, he's so open with the community that talked yeah. to him and stuff and every now and again he just interrupts with a question uh, a question just saying look it's a fucking movie yeah like like if Absolutely. you try and explain it with logic you will never make a movie no.
1: and you'll never enjoy it either yeah i mean and that's the thing i i didn't sit there picking faults in the film which i do quite a bit because that's the sort of person i am i, I it was a stay film is it a stay from classic no is it going to go down in the ages no is it a film worth seeing at the cinema <laughs> no, probably not probably worth waiting until it comes out on DVD Netflix or Sky um, it, it it's worth watching just you know it, it's the sort of film that maybe you put on on a I don't know Thursday night when you're eating your dinner and you've got nothing else to do um, they
0: should put that on the poster yeah yeah. as,
1: as reviewed by Jamie watch while eating dinner on a Thursday night when you've got nothing else All
0: to right. do alright <laughs> let's, let's grade this sucker then out of five where does it sit for you
1: I, I, I'm going to give it a two and a half which probably sounds better than the review I've actually given it because there was good action in it Statham is Statham um, through, he's typical Statham throughout the film and that for me that brings it up to about two
0: and a half nice so there you have it two and a half out of five the Meg chew on this you ugly Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast if you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we've enjoyed making it please click on the like subscribe the follow whatever button it means that you get more content from talk filming to me I want to thank my boy John how can people find you you
2: can find me on Twitter at Descamento
0: so we'll be back next week with episode 40 and we'll be doing lots of fun stuff in between anyway stay filmy till next time
2: bye bye cellar door and
1: baby talk filmy to me